the Todd Stansbury Podcast from RamblinWreck.com. This is the official podcast of Georgia Tech Athletic Director Todd Stansbury as he gives you an inside look at what's happening around Yellow Jacket Athletics. Now, alongside Tech Athletic Director Todd Stansbury, here's the voice of the Yellow Jackets, Andy Demetros. And welcome in. Glad you found us for another edition of the Toddcast. Andy Demetra, Todd Stansbury, great to have you with us as we uh, take a look ahead, look back. We are both winding down and ramping up the spring sports schedule, and it's been a busy spring here in the flats. So over the next oh, half hour, 45 minutes, look forward to covering a wide range of topics with the athletic director for your Yellow Jackets, Todd Stansbury. Todd, good to catch up with you. How are you? Doing great. Uh, you got to be thrilled with the success of some of your spring sports teams. Just this week, we saw men's golf qualify for yet another NCAA tournament. Softball advancing to the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2012. It's been a pretty exciting week and will only get more exciting. Yeah, no, uh, you know, a lot of people wonder what we do in the spring. <laughs> we got a lot going on. In fact, I think May may be our our busiest month uh, of the year when you look at the, the, the number of events and, and, and sports that we have competing right now. It's a weird juxtaposition because graduation has already taken place. Campus has started to clear out, yet for some of these teams, it, it's the busiest time. It's the most hectic time of year. Yep, and the most important time. So, yeah, it is, a, it, it is an interesting time because then – You've got a lot of, um, on the academic side, a lot of things uh, winding down. Um, you got teams that are going into postseason. And then uh, we'll get ready for orientation here in about two weeks uh, and start getting ready for fall. So definitely a lot going on. Enough to make your head spin. Well, let, let's talk about softball because I know you had to be so thrilled to see Georgia Tech's name flash on the screen. You hired Eileen Morales, uh, obviously a decorated player here at Georgia Tech, still a young coach when you hired her to take over her alma mater. How gratifying was it for you to see that steady rise of the softball program culminate this past weekend with Georgia Tech getting a bid to the NCAA tournament? Well, it's always gratifying to see the plan come to fruition. And uh, similar to, to volleyball as we watched um, that, um, that program uh, – uh, with Coach Collier uh, being built over the the last three four uh, years and culminating this year with a with an elite eight being in the elite eight and ended up eighth in the country, softball has been on a similar trajectory. Um, uh, you know we have a great history uh, in softball at Georgia Tech, and I think from two thousand to Two thousand and ten, we we part, we were um, either regular season or, or um, tournament ACC champions uh, eight of those years, and then we went on a drought and um, hadn't been there in in a while. And so when I got here and and decided we needed to um, make a change, uh, I knew we would be um, starting, um, you know, starting from the, the ground up. And I wanted somebody that um, knew how to win at Georgia Tech. And, and Eileen Morales was a player or an assistant coach in all eight of those uh, ACC championships. So she was the one I wanted. And then just to watch the way she's built it 
um, you know, year over year, and now to finally get back, get us back to NCAA postseason play is 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 just um, it's very gratifying, and I'm really really excited for those young women that have put so much time and energy, and you know, a lot of times you're building it. And getting over the hump is is kind of, as I told him, this isn't the end of the story. This is actually now the beginning. Uh, when you interviewed Eileen, she had only been a Division One head coach for two years. She was at Radford, had some time at Young Harris College as well. But knowing that were you to hire her, you'd be hiring one of the youngest head coaches in Power 5 softball. At what point during that interview, if you could just rewind five years, at what point during that interview did you know, yeah, none of that matters. This is clearly the person that I know can can take Georgia Tech softball back. Yeah, I guess, um, you know, obviously going into that search, you look at Georgia Tech, very, very unique in so many ways. Um, and uh, this is not a plug and play. Um, this is, you got to be able to recruit to Georgia Tech. You got to be able to get the right players that, um, one, uh, can thrive here uh, and can compete at the highest level up there on the hill and then come down here and, and compete against the best in, in their particular sport. And so I knew Eileen because of her success as both a player here and, um, and, and part of a, a, a very successful uh, coaching staff here understood the nuances and, and the, the, what made us different. So I knew that I, or I felt that she would be able to one identify talent, uh, attract it because she's lived it, and then help them manage through it, knowing that um, the rigors of Georgia Tech are aren't going to get any easier. And um, but when I first met her uh, uh, in that interview, and the intensity that uh, I mean, you don't have to be around Eileen Morales very long to see that um, one, she's a winner. And she's intense, and intense um, in a good way. Oh yeah, yeah. like uh, totally focused Lock, on locked in. Yeah, she's locked in. Yeah, there's nothing casual um, about the way she operates, and I and just the example I knew that she would provide our young women, um, softball players or not, just because uh, Georgia Tech grad, the way she carries herself, um, she's serious about her craft. And uh, it didn't take me too long to figure out. Um, similarly to Nell Fortner, I think with, uh, within five minutes of that that um, uh, interview, I went from uh, you know interview to recruiting pretty quickly. So um, Eileen, uh, you know, obviously a different personality than Nell, but um, very very impressive young woman. When you're interviewing prospective head coaches, is that how it typically works for an AD? That within the first five minutes of an interview, you know whether you have the the man or woman you want, or is that case by case basis? I think it's a totally case by okay. case basis. Um, you know, there are some that I think you know right away, and I think there's others that you're, you know, that take a little bit longer. But um, with with Nell and Eileen, I knew pretty quick. Yeah, and that hunch proved more than true with Eileen. So congratulations to softball playing in the Gainesville Regional as the two seed this upcoming weekend. Of course, golf just cinched another NCAA championship. They'll be competing out in Scottsdale, Arizona, Columbus Regional co-champs. They're number eleven nationally. Pretty exciting the way that they they clinched it by tying Oklahoma State, getting birdies from Benjamin Ruder and Ross Steelman on the 18th hole. 
Bruce Hampler doing what Bruce Hampler does, which is always taking his team deep into the spring. Yeah, I love this team. Um, you know, and obviously Bruce Hepler, he's the legacy that he's developed, the culture, the you know, the expectations amongst these teams is pretty incredible. And then the fact that every student athlete that's ever participated in golf as a member of his team has graduated um, uh, every every senior, and so. I, what I love about this team is I love the way they win. Um, not just that they win, but um, these come from behind victories. Uh, obviously, we ended up um, a, a stroke short in extra holes uh, at the ACC tournament. But just to get to that and have uh, you know the freshman, the fifth player come in and have to birdie birdie to put it into extra holes. Um, was pretty incredible, and then here with the with the you know in the the Columbus Regional, uh, same thing having um, uh, you know uh, Ben and 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 Ross, the last two players on the course, birdie birdie eighteen to um, to tie uh, uh, Oklahoma State to to be um, basic uh, co co champs of the regional, pretty impressive, and I think really says a lot for this team. And I think that's one of the reasons I'm so excited about what's going to happen in Scottsdale. Yeah, those freshmen certainly delivered in, in leverage situations. So off to Scottsdale they go. And, of course, baseball. Strength of schedule has always been among the toughest in the nation this year. And what's really fortified their resume is what they've done against teams that are in the RPI top 10. I think that's the most impressive thing of all. You've been in those rooms where you have to set one team's uh, record against another, but when when you break it down and parse it out, what, what this Georgia Tech team has done against some of the, the highest-rated RPI teams in the nation, it just speaks to the ceiling that uh, Danny Hall's team will have for the weeks ahead. Yeah, I think there's a common theme here at Georgia Tech, and that seems to be strength of schedule. And I think it's just, you know, when I talk about, you know, we are in the toughest neighborhood in America uh, when it comes to intercollegiate athletics. And I think that's why whenever you look at strength of schedule of any of our sports, they're always um, in, you know, in, in the top, you know, a lot of times in the top 10. And, and in this case, we're in the, you know, the top two um, but it's it, it, it's it's because the teams around us. We're in the ACC. We're we're, we're in the the heart of um, SEC country. The people we play, and then of course, um, you know, you got Georgia Southern in the top ten, and that's a, that's one of our midweek games, mm -hmm. right? And so, um, I think strength of schedule having the RPI at twenty five. But you're right. Um, our top 50 wins with 15 second most in the nation. Um, you know, there in baseball. Um, you know, so much of it is uh, you know because you're in these three game series. Who who, you, who who's pitching Friday, Saturday, Sunday, whatever, and then you get uh, some midweek games that because um, you need you need to get more games in, and you're typically not scheduling uh, top 10 teams. Um, when you're when you're located where we are, that you don't have that luxury, and so uh, 15 top 50 wins, and then I think the you know winning uh, uh, three series against top 10 uh, RPIs is um, you know what are we 3-0 and one against um, top 10 teams uh, 
pretty impressive mm-hmm. uh, resume so far. Yeah, 3-0-1 in series against RPI top 10 teams. Also recently, you extended the baseball coaching staff through 2025. Tell us how long had that been in the works? Oh, that's been in the works a, a, a long time, actually. Just announced it recently. Yeah, we just announced it, but it, it had been in the works a long time. And it, it really goes to one uh, – Stability in the program. Um, obviously, uh, Danny Hall's got an incredible resume that lasts, what, 22, 27 years. I can't even remember how many years. And uh, coming off two coastal uh, championships um, in conference, uh, we just built a new building. And, and you know, our, our kind of equation for winning here is um, recruiting, building a better student-athlete and winning. And so really being able to lock down uh, what I consider um, uh, one of the best staffs in the country. Um, We just built a new building that's got all kinds of um, analytics and labs and all those kinds of things. And I I think that um, from a recruiting standpoint, uh, knowing who the coaches are, uh, knowing that you've got the facilities and coaches that are going to make you better, it's just part of the equation on what we need to do as we develop our student athletes um, into the to to elite elite athletes that are able to compete mm-hmm. at the highest level. So for you, it's important to to marry that the, the facilities with the stability on the coaching staff. Yeah, I, I mean, because uh, now you're recruiting so young, um, especially uh, that that. Um, that the, these these kids and their parents they want to know one who's going to be training these kids who's going to be getting them ready to um, hopefully um, compete at the next level because regardless of who you are that's the goal um, and so uh, I think one you got to have the facilities that that show you're serious and show that you've got what it's going to take um, to to get them better. But then it's it, it, personnel. It's a, you got to make sure you got the right coaches, and knowing that we've got the right coaches, and wanting to maintain the stability that in the in in our uh, in our program, I felt it was important that um, um, that that uh, we 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 locked our coaches down. Before we move on to some other topics, I want to circle back to. Uh, the success of softball and it represents the continued success of your women's sports programs this year. Last week, you had tweeted something about next month being the 50th anniversary of the passage of Title IX legislation, and what better way to celebrate that than all eight of the women's athletic teams at Georgia Tech qualifying for the postseason this year. I thought that was pretty cool. I mean, isn't that awesome? I mean, uh, when you look at every single women's team going to postseason when, what, six years ago we had three teams total go to postseason men's or women's men's and women's yeah um really really awesome and impressive and I I think says a lot about um one Georgia Tech's ability to to um recruit incredible women and, and and to um uh them being able to thrive uh here at Georgia Tech academically and then ultimately athletically and and what they can do in 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 um competing at the highest level so huge tribute to an in, to the institute that wasn't too long ago that uh there weren't a lot of women um on this campus uh and uh and now for us to be you know leaders in the nation as far as um, our, uh, our, our women's sports are concerned, I think is, is, 
is uh, really a tribute to the the culture and the institute. Success sometimes is the best way to pay homage, and uh, your women's teams have certainly done that throughout the year. I know you just took a business trip down to Florida for the uh, the ACC spring meetings. How was that? No shortage of topics I'm sure you and your fellow ADs could discuss. No, you know, but the the interesting thing is because of coming through COVID where we've literally been meeting every week, um, This and this was actually our first spring meeting, what, in three years, I guess, um, I felt like there's a lot of really good dialogue, a lot of really good um, uh, interaction because uh, – we're used to now dealing with a lot of things in real time because we had to through COVID, which eliminated a lot of things that we'd have to catch up on and we could actually um, really just get into the, the the meat of things. So a lot of, and, and then of course right now intercollegiate athletics has a lot going on. So we definitely had a lot to talk about. Uh, one of which was the the new proposed schedule model for the ACC. Where do you stand on that? The the ditching of divisions and, and going with a three three five model. What, what 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 what's your perspective on that right now? I guess my my main thing and and I don't know that because uh, I think there's pros and cons to divisions, non divisions, and and kind of how that's structured. Um, I, I think the thing that I'm, I think is most important to the ACC are actually two things. Two, uh, one is we need to play everybody in the conference. We need to play through the conference as quickly as we can so that we can um, – when you have student-athletes that never play certain schools in our conference um, just because we're playing them once every six or seven years – it's hard to develop any kind of affinity for that program or a rivalry or a, a, a story or anything. So my, I would like to see us play each other more often um, on, a, on, a, uh, on a, uh, a shorter rotation. And then ultimately you want to put your two best teams um, in, in, the, um, in the championship if possible. Uh, so that your conference is in the best position to have multiple teams in the CFP, uh, as well as um, making sure you're getting as many teams as possible into um, into postseason play in bowl games. So um, there are so many models out there, and they may. I think we started off with thirty models, mm. and so and who's coming up with these models? Uh, the conference, we okay. got, uh, Michael Strickland, who's in charge of, um, football at the conference level. And we have, we've asked a lot of Michael because, um, he is, he has run through so many models and then we'll ask him to tweak this and tweak that. And what kind of makes things complicated for us in the ACC is, uh, some of our schools, natural rivals are in conference and some of us, like us, Louisville, Florida State, and Clemson, our natural rivals, are not in conference. So the real challenge is how do you protect those in-conference rivalries but allow um, for more flexibility and quicker rotation through the conference? So that's where um, the models and the hybrids and all the different uh, things that are coming up with, um, that, that's why it's not very straightforward. Mm-hmm. Um, but Strickland has we've you know we have put him through his paces and he's done a phenomenal job of 
coming up with almost every iteration that you could possibly come up with. And now it's a matter of just boiling them down and, and, and trying to figure out how do we put our conference in the best position possible. What is the earliest year that the ACC could do away with divisions? I mean, could this be on the table for 2023? How quickly can that be, can that be manufactured? You know, I, I, it's not one of those that you got to wait out five years, that's yeah. for sure. Because so, the Pac-12 just announced this week, I mean, like yeah, minutes so, after the NCAA announced that you no longer need to have division winners represent your conference in the conference championship, it's like a minute later the Pac-12 came out and said, yeah, we're doing away with our divisions. So it's um, in conference you have a lot more control, that's for sure. So um, I think uh, um, it's, it's not one of those things that's a long-term uh, proposition. Um, it, it's something that could probably happen fairly quickly once uh, we get to a point where we feel um, like uh, we're in the best place we can be. But regardless of what we do, there's going to be a give and take. And, and I think through this process, the one thing we all know is um, you can't have it all. And, um, and so how do we get as much of what we feel the priorities of our schools and our conferences and our conference um, w- what our priorities are, and then how do we get to a point where we check off most of those boxes, knowing that we're never going to check them all off. Uh, I'm sure another popular subject of conversation at the ACC meetings was name, image, likeness, and, and hard to believe we're coming up on a year in, in the NIL era. You read this, you hear that. I, you know whether it speaks for the majority of Tech fans or not is is up to your interpretation. But there are some Tech fans who who wonder if Georgia Tech is positioned to be competitive in the NIL era and as you've seen it shake out over the past 10 months what would you say to those people who might have some some apprehensions about Georgia Tech and its ability to still be a a strong elite athletic department in the era of NIL yeah I, I think first of all we're 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 uniquely positioned to really take advantage of NIL and then what I'm talking about is legitimate NIL and uh, business opportunities for our student athletes. Um, starting with Homer Rice and the Total Person Program, developing our student athletes to be able to take advantage of their professional opportunities has always been central to uh, the core of what we do. With the introduction of NIL and allowing student athletes to take advantage of that while they're in school, um, doesn't need uh, we don't need to tweak much and uh, so what we've done is we've we've created this 404 Academy specifically uh, taking a lot of the elements that we already have in place but having them focus specifically on um, name image and likeness opportunities as well as entrepreneurship and business opportunities beyond name image and likeness so that if our student athletes um, uh, uh, have have opportunities in the un- entrepreneurship st- space like CreateX, which we we have a team of student athletes that won the fall the fall showcase um, for a company that they're in the process of building. We definitely want them to be able to maximize that opportunity and not have to wait till they're finished playing, mm-hmm. um, because quite frankly, that is what makes us special. Um, 
you know, Georgia Tech, is, because of the nature of the institute and our focus on developing the best en- uh, uh, entrepreneurs in the world, and our location, being in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, create uh, incredible opportunities that you can't get everywhere else. Um, so we, um, we're getting ready to uh, do a partnership with Icon Source, which is uh, a company that, that specifically identifies NIL um, opportunities for student-athletes. Uh, we uh, obviously, through um, uh, the, the, the 404 Academy, are, are helping our student-athletes understand um, what to do, how to do it. Um, how to pay taxes because there are a lot of things that come along with this whole NIL thing that must have been it was a slight adjustment for the student athletes last month correct around the 15th April 15th if you got whatever you needed to make sure that you disclosed on your taxes that that's something that not uh, I know when I was 18 years old um, one, I, uh, unfortunately, uh, I, I did have a job that, uh, but it was digging ditches in the summer as a, you know, as a laborer. Um, but, uh, you know, my parents told me that I had to do pay my taxes. And so we're, we're having to educate our student athletes on, on the, uh, how to do that, whether they're doing LLCs or not, and, and trying to navigate through, um, uh, the various things that they're going to have to do, uh, and make sure they do it the right way. So we're, we're, uh, we've ramped up our education in that area. We're partnering with third parties that are actively in this space and that's what they do. Um, and, uh, and, uh, it, it's definitely evolving, um, but we're, uh, we definitely want to make sure that we're on the forefront of helping our student athletes take advantage of the opportunities that are available to them. Um, I think the big thing is, and where you're getting a lot of, um, a lot of the kind of the publicity is, is around these, um, uh, what seem to be incentives to sign and it's being couched as NIL but I'm not so sure it's it's NIL. And that's where, at some point, there's going to have to be some guardrails because as we inch into this pay-for-play world, uh, that's, that's very troublesome. And that's where, um, on the front end of this, there was a lot of concern that this would end up, um, end up in the recruiting space, and I think it has. And that's where um, there's a lot of conversation about what, where can we put um, where where can the NCAA um, uh, put up guardrails? Where can we as a conference um, just so that we're, um, uh, we're 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 protecting the you know the collegiate model while at the same time allowing our student athletes to take advantage of the opportunities presented them? Because that has to be a tricky balancing act. You, you don't want to limit the the earning power of your student athletes now in the nil era but you don't want things to run completely amok where you run into issues like you had alluded to uh and so there has to be some kind of guardrail that isn't going to be unfair to the student athletes but at the same time like you said it protects the collegiate model how much was that part of the dialogue down in Florida with you and the rest of the ADs and trying to come up with some some reasonable and, and responsible ways to, to clarify things moving forward? 
So at the spring meetings, you got the athletic directors, uh, the um, senior women administrator, your faculty athletic rep, and the head coaches of football, men's, and women's basketball. Mm -hmm. So you can be assured there was a lot of conversation about NIL and and, um, the intersection of NIL, recruiting, and now the transfer portal. So a lot of um, conversation, a lot of angst, um, and and, uh, a lot of discussion on, you know, how do we get to a point where uh, there are some guardrails and we we get to a a place where um, uh, people are feeling more comfortable um, that uh, signing incentives under the guise of NIL are not being used to both recruit high school kids as well as recruit kids off your own roster. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's circle back to Icon Source and what specifically that partnership will entail for Georgia Tech and how it will benefit the student athletes in the NIL space. So basically Icon Source, um, what they are is a essentially an agency that goes out and um and identifies nil opportunities not just for uh georgia tech student athletes but all but for student athletes across the country that are institutions that are partnering with them so say uh they identify uh like we we, we've had uh an nil um, situation where um a, uh, a cookie company was interested in um, in having uh, student athletes engaged in their um, rollout marketing campaign, and of course they're interested in our kids um, because of the Atlanta market. But they're going up the whole uh, Eastern Seaboard, so that they were looking. They wanted to look at student athletes from other colleges um, up and down the Eastern Seaboard for their marketing campaign. With Icon, they would be like an uh, Icon would be out there soliciting those kinds of marketing opportunities, and then uh, being kind of the conduit to student athletes that are with with insti- okay. that, that are at institutions um, that uh, that have partnered with them. So that's kind of how that would all work. They're like the NIL matchmakers. They're NIL matchmakers. And because the whole, uh, you know, one of the guardrails on, on the NIL front is is that these deals need to be between the student athlete and the entity that's providing the opportunity. That, it, that the institute can't be in the middle mm-hmm. uh, doing these deals for them. And so that's why um we really uh you know one of the guardrails that that um uh is that to keep it out uh, to to try and keep it out of the recruiting sphere is that these these have to be done outside of the sphere of um the the athletic department and so icons a third party dealing with third parties directly with student-athletes without us being in the middle of it. Well, a popular topic of conversation, like we said, with uh, NIL, and I'm sure it'll be a topic of conversation on future podcasts. We always appreciate your insight on that. Uh, Of course, there are other opportunities outside of NIL for student-athletes, and one of which, as we know, is is a a legacy program at Georgia Tech, and that's Jackets Without Borders. Good to see uh, the, the delegation get down uh, to uh, to Puerto Rico again and, and have a Jackets Without Borders in person uh, back at it. That has to make you feel good. 
Yeah, I know. You know, Jack is without borders. Well, it's uh, you know, it allows our student athletes to go and and really um, provide service to others. The 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 real game changer is the the service that's done for the student athlete and and them having that experience of uh, not necessarily being on the receiving end, but being on the giving end. And, and being in a position to see the influence, the impact that they can have. And then the other part of it is, you know, these are leaders. These are, are, are young people that we are developing. What we say here, we're developing the young people who will change the world. Well, most of these uh, student-athletes, they're used to leading, leading on their teams. They are alpha dogs, and so to have 16 alpha dogs go down and work as a team, uh, different teams uh, from uh, you know different sports, uh, very diverse, it provides just an incredible opportunity for them to, to uh, really connect and, um, and, and, and see what it's like to be on uh, these world-class teams that aren't necessarily going to be all football players or all volleyball players. I mean, you got, you know, you've got um, uh, members of every team that are down there working together, working hard, and, and it does not matter a project, doesn't matter um, what teams we send. The results are always the same. It changes these kids' perceptions. It changes their lives. Um, and it's something that they will never forget. And uh, Puerto Rico, of course, is special to us because our first trip, we went down there after um, in, in 17 after they got hit by Irma and Maria. And uh, so for us to go back, uh, so we went down two years before COVID, us to go back and kind of finish what we started. Yeah. So we went back to the same village. We worked on some of the same houses, um, you know, the first floor on uh, on a family's home that we put on there, um, you know, uh, back in uh, 2019 or whenever the last trip was. Um, we put the second floor on uh, this time. And, How about that? And the other thing that remains pretty consistent is all of these aid or- organizations that we, we partner with on these kinds of projects – they're used to they're not used to the student athlete work ethic you know not to say anything you know poorly about other groups um but they're not ready for how fast and how hard our kids work and typically what i get back um from the aid group is um they got uh, what we had planned for a week got done in two days and we had to go find more concrete and more uh, materials because uh, we didn't anticipate them finishing that quickly. And again, that was the story this time. Uh, our kids are wor- used to working in teams. They're in great shape. They're passionate. They're enthusiastic. They can just work harder and faster than your normal human being. And um, so the work they do in seven to ten days um, normally would take another group months to, uh, to finish. So great story, great to be back. And I know that the kids and coaches that went on the trip are, um, are uh, you know, uh, still, I mean, they're telling stories and, and they're beaming just from the trip. But the other thing is um, to expand this, uh, um, what I'm working on now with the Letter Winners Club 
is I'd like for future trips to also provide opportunities for our former players, mm. former student-athletes to participate. I think it's a great way for former student-athletes and current student-athletes to interact, um, to develop relationships. And then the other thing is this way we capture those student-athletes that maybe not were able to participate in something like this while they were here at Georgia Tech, either because of their sport or whatever, um, and this way, uh, the opportunity is, can still be there for um, those after they uh, are eligible or post-graduation. Very cool to hear. And, of course, always cool. Uh, we see it this time every year, graduation, sending off the next group of Georgia Tech student-athletes. Yet 76 student-athletes graduate from the Institute earlier this month. And uh, of all the uh, successes and accomplishments that you get to witness as an athletic director throughout a year, Graduation has to rank right near the top. Uh, incredible. Incredible. Um, so we had, what, 76 student-athletes graduate, 18 different majors. Uh, six of them were, got their master's. Uh, you know, uh, when, I, uh, when I address them uh, uh, at the um, graduation luncheon that we have prior to every graduation, um, I mean, it, it, it is awe-inspiring what these young people do. And, um, and, and we have two gr graduates in this class that actually there's three. Normally I don't, uh, when, I, when I speak to the graduates, you know, I talk to them about them as a class and they're prepared and we've got them ready and, and the value of a Georgia Tech experience is you're ready. Whether you think, whether you think you're ready to transition into um, your next stage of life or not, um, we have prepared you for that. You've put in the work. But this one, I, I felt like I needed to, uh, uh, you know, highlight um, a couple of the graduates in this class. Um, and one was um, uh, Christian Ferraro, uh, who, um, who graduated with a degree in chemical and biomolecular engineering while also being a seven-time All-American in swimming. Uh, our, our graduates, our student-athletes don't look like anybody else's. Um, and I don't know that, and, and, and when you see them all together like that, what we think is normal here is not normal. And uh, another graduate that we had in this class uh, is Mark Tashira. And I made a point with our, our um, other graduates um, about Mark, who comes back, uh, I think he left here in 2000, um, as the National Player of the Year goes on to this incredible Major League Baseball career. And, you know, I kind of listed uh, some of his accolades, uh, including the World Series with the Yankees. Um, but then he comes, and uh, so he, he, and then on top of that, he, he retires from uh, Major League Baseball after, you know, 11, 12 years, uh, immediately goes to work for ESPN. Uh, has his own um, uh, real estate development company and is working that as well. And then two years ago decides to um, uh, uh, re re or resign from ESPN so that he can pursue his degree at Georgia Tech. 20 years after he left here. Now, here you got a guy that... Uh, hasn't been in a classroom in 20 years sitting in a Georgia Tech class on uh, 
computer science, and you can just imagine how things have changed uh, since the last time he sat in a class uh, with 18 to 22-year-olds, and he's back here for two years to graduate. And so what I told the, uh, our class is that provides you an understanding of the value of a Georgia Tech degree. And I said, Mark Tashir is a unicorn. Major League Baseball player at the highest level, Hall of Famer, uh, ESPN analyst, uh, very, very successful uh, business person, real estate developer that will probably eclipse what he has done as a professional athlete. If any one of you checked one of those boxes, you would feel pretty good about yourself. In this room with those 76 student-athletes, I have some that could have checked three of those boxes that have the ability to do all three, have the ability to check two of those boxes, and every single one of them can check one of those boxes. So my message to them was, you are, you are all unicorns. And at Georgia Tech, we have herds of unicorns. <laughs> And um, so to talk about just how um, proud I am of what these young people do here and what they go on to do, um, I, I can't even put into words, but I wish I could bottle it up and have every Georgia Tech fan, um, graduate, um, see and be around these young people the way I'm, uh, I'm able to um, interact with them on a daily basis because it is special. Makes it really fulfilling. Uh, I'll end it with this. You talked about a herd of unicorns. Uh, Nell Fortner's high school alma mater. I believe she went to New Braunfels High School in Texas. Her high school nickname was actually the Unicorns. Like Her <laughs> school's nickname was the Unicorns. Did you know that? I did not know that. I am a broadcaster. I know how to tie the room together. <laughs> that is awesome. So there you go. You can, you can bring that up with Nell well, the next hey, time you see her. And she's definitely a unicorn. She is a unicorn in more ways than one. And on that, we'll wrap up this uh, month's edition of the Toddcast. Covered a lot of ground. I appreciate all the insight and perspective, Todd. Look forward to doing this again soon. Thanks. All right. He's Todd Stansberry. I'm Andy Demetra. Make sure you like, you listen, you subscribe, and we'll talk to you next time on the Toddcast. The Todd Stansbury Podcast is a presentation of RamblinWreck.com. Go Jackets!